Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Tonight, it is True Crime Night number seven, and uh, watch your neighbors. We have some stories from Granite Falls, Washington, and Kapahulu, Hawaii. All that and more on Small Town Secrets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the seventh season. And that means, of course, it is true crime night, true crime episode, the middle of the season. That is what we always do here on the show. And tonight, I wanted to take a look at a couple of uh, bad neighbor stories, if you will. And uh, I found a bunch of good ones, but I picked 
two for tonight's episode from Granite Falls, Washington, and from, I'm always going to say it wrong, and now I have to look at my notes, because I can't remember, Kapahulu, Hawaii. The first time, I think, Hawaii has been featured on this show, and I am going to confess, I'm cheating a little bit with Kapahulu. It's not really a town. It's more of a neighborhood. It's more of a suburb of Honolulu. But uh, I really wanted to tell a story. And it, it, I mean, it is its own little place. It has its own population, its own city center, stuff like that. So I feel like uh, it works just barely to fit the show. But I'm bending the rules tonight a little bit on that. And of course, we've got some uh, Your Small Town Secrets to Share and some music and all of that tonight on the show. So I don't really have a big long intro or anything to really address. Let's just get into these stories for episode 7.05. Hi folks, my name is Miranda McLaughlin and I'm the host of All Things Dreams, a podcast dedicated to dream experiences and dream interpretation. Are you curious about dreams but don't have time for all that pesky research? Well then you're in luck. Because you can leave the research to me and just tune into All Things Dreams, where we discuss loads of different dream experiences, dream themes, and dream topics like sleep paralysis, lucid dreaming, inception dreams, and so much more. Just check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Before we get into tonight's topics, I want to take a minute and let you know that there is so much more small town secrets to enjoy. Check out the Patreon. There are one, two, and three dollar tiers of support with stuff like a shout out on the main show, exclusive buttons and stickers, MP3s to the music I create, also an ad slash promo free version of the main show as well as STS Backroads, the Patreon-only podcast that comes out in the off weeks, which means you'll get content every week, all in your own RSS feed. There is all of this and more. To sign up, go to patreon.com slash stscast or stscast.com and click on the support tab. And now, on with tonight's episode. Granite Falls started as a homestead in 1883, but soon grew into a town with a post office and a general store. And then it saw a large boom in 1889 when gold was discovered in the Cascade Mountains. Today, the town has a modest population of 3,364. It's quiet and peaceful, but in the early 2000s, the peace was shattered on East Stanley Street. Martin and Gaia Frank lived on Stanley Street with their son and their daughter. Martin worked at a lumber yard, and Gaia ran a small daycare out of their home. They had become friends with a neighbor named Kenneth Jensen, who they would often see outside of their home getting his mail. Jensen was a file clerk and was usually seen riding his bike and often toting a leather satchel. Keep that in mind, it will be important later. The Franks' kids even gave him a nickname, Pinky, on account that he would wave to them with his pinky. For quite a while, the two men got along, but 
then, Ken's friend Jay came to town. Jay was a land developer and had bought a piece of land next door to the Franks' home. He was determined to build his retirement home on the quiet street. At first, all was well. Martin's son John was even hired by Jay to help clean up around the property. However, it didn't take too long for Martin to become suspicious of what Jay was building. As more equipment came and the project started taking shape, Martin noticed that the single man was building quite a large dwelling for just one person. Martin Frank quickly became convinced over the weeks that Jay was not building a single family home, but some sort of apartment building. And the more he saw, the more he hated it. And it must be noted at this point that uh, Martin never knew what Jay was building, at least as far as I could find out. Like, he knew that it was a big property, but he had gotten in his head that it had to be some sort of apartment building or fourplex or something like that, and not just like a single family home like it was supposed to be. But, uh, you know, he never had any real evidence to back this up. You know, this guy just wanted to build a big house for himself. And I think really a lot of this could have been avoided if uh, Jay would have just been like, hey man, here's the blueprints. This is what I'm building. You can see for yourself. It is not an apartment building. But none of that happened. So a lot of this is just like conjecture on Martin's part and just not really being told otherwise. It didn't take long for hostility to grow between all three men, with Ken taking his friend Jay's side. Martin would begin uh, disrupting Jay's plans day by day, blocking him from his property and yelling at him, telling him to leave. I think he put up some signs and stuff, just, you know, being a nuisance, trying to get this guy to leave. He didn't like what was going on. Eventually, though, Jay filed a restraining order against Martin. Martin used this to his advantage, though, by dragging out everything he could in court. The more he kept Jay's hands tied in court, the less he was able to work and pay to build the home. Soon the court dates and the court cost ate up a huge chunk of Jay's savings. And in the end, Martin's plan worked and Jay was forced to stop developing the land and left town. And that's it. That's it. Jay is out of the story. We don't hear from him again. So, uh, plot twist. Jay has nothing else to do with this. He's out. He's gone. This then caused a huge rift between Ken and Martin, which started small with name-calling. Whenever the two would see each other, they would begin with the insults and trade them back and forth. And this would go on for weeks. And then, one night... As the Frank family sat watching TV, they would hear a loud explosion coming from their backyard. Someone, allegedly Ken, was shooting fireworks across their property. Martin responded by grabbing his shotgun and firing bird dispersal shells into the air. And if you don't know what those are, they aren't normal shotgun shells. They don't have pellets or birdshot or whatever in them. They are a shell that you fire. It, it goes up, 
kind of like a firework, really, and then silently, and then uh, blows up and is very loud. It's to scare birds off, not so much to kill them. And that's what he was just chucking into the air. And uh, he did this until the fireworks stopped. This only further enraged both men. Martin went from insults to threats, and Ken started standing out in the road on public property, of course, leering into the Frank home. One morning, John, the son, heard someone revving a truck engine, and then he heard aggressive driving. The family found their backyard in complete tatters. Ken had destroyed the backyard. Gaia was so upset by this that she lost her temper in front of a couple of her customers, losing them as customers to the daycare. And after this, it became, she felt it became her job to attempt to keep the peace together between the two, but it didn't work out all that well. All of this enraged Martin when he heard about it, and he confronted Ken, telling him it was time to settle this once and for all. And it was at this point that Ken showed Martin that he was armed with a pistol. He had a concealed carry permit for the weapon, but still got a visit from the cops about brandishing said weapon. The gun didn't seem to stop Martin's taunts. It only spurred him on more. He now used the gun as ammo, pun intended. I'm not sure if I'm intending that pun or not. Take it as you will. Now goading Ken to shoot him with it. But then, on August 8, 2001, Martin's goading became all too real. Martin and his wife Gaia were outside on their front front yard when Ken rode up on his bike to get his mail. Seeing the two outside, he took the opportunity to hurl a few insults at the couple. Martin approached Ken, some say to confront him, and others, mainly his family, said he was trying to finally make some peace. Whatever the reason, an argument ensued, and Martin grabbed Ken's handlebars in an attempt to throw the bike down. A shot rang out and shattered the neighborhood. Martin fell to the ground with a single gunshot wound to his upper chest. Ken had shot him through his trusty satchel, so he had it concealed in his little, you know, in his satchel, and he just shot him, and it went right, you know, he didn't even know he had the gun. It was in the bag the whole time, and he just shot right through it. Martin was rushed to the hospital, but would pass away after emergency surgery. Ken rode his bike two miles into the uh, police department and turned himself in. Kenneth Jensen was convicted with second-degree murder and was sentenced to 16 years. However, his conviction was overturned by the uh, Washington State Supreme Court, and he was given a second trial. This time, he was uh, tagged with second-degree manslaughter and served only four years. And uh, that is really it. He served four years and got out. Uh, the family sold their home and moved. I believe Gaia got her nursing degree, and eventually the family was able to move on and get back on track. But it's just one of those stories that 
ends in tragedy and really starts with something, like I said at the beginning, that could have been so simply solved if two men would have just sat down and said, this is what I'm doing, here's the evidence, you don't need to get so worked up about it. But that is not the only neighbor story we have tonight. We're going to uh, head on out to Hawaii, like I said, for the first time, and talk about Jerry Pennell. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The small neighborhood of Kapahulu sits in between Waikiki Beach and Diamond Head, which is a, like, what do you call that? It's a dead volcano. It's a national park or a state park or something. And uh, so a lot of times this, this neighborhood is also referred to kind of as the Diamond Head area or the Kapahulu Diamond Head neighborhood, things like that, but it's all the kind of the same place there. Its name means worn out soul, or perhaps the nightmare. The name nightmare may be very apt because of a man named Jerry Hanel. Yoroslav Jerry 
Pennell was an expat in his 60s from the Czech Republic. In the mid-2000s, he had taken up residence in the basement of Lois Kane's home on Hibiscus Avenue. He lived there rent-free and in return took care of the house and the property. When he first arrived on Hibiscus Avenue, he was friendly and a nice guy to be around and got along with everybody. But there were soon chinks in the armor. While helping to host a 4th of July barbecue with Lois, Lois and one of her friends tried to take a picture of Jerry, and he reacted rather badly. He got visibly upset and uh, did not want his picture taken at all. Lois had never seen him act like that before, and to me it's kind of unclear just how well Lois knew him. Uh, she was always letting people live and stay at the house, so I think she just saw someone that needed a place and just let him live there, really. I'm not sure how much she really knew the guy, to be honest. Then, later that night, Lois got a call with some bad news. Her 90-year-old mother had fallen ill. Lois had to leave Hawaii for San Diego to take care of her mother. She left Jerry alone to live and take care of the house. Soon, after finding himself alone, he started active aggressively towards the many tourists that would walk around the neighborhood to try and get pictures of the beach or of the volcano. He would run out of the house yelling and chase them off. And his reason for this, as he would tell the neighbors, was he thought that they were all KGB who had come to spy on him. It's very possible that Hanel had some sort of post-traumatic stress disorder, some PTSD from his time in the Czech military. It might have been this PTSD mixed with losing his job as a maintenance man at a nearby condo building that started to really fuel his paranoia. Jerry then started putting up cameras all over Lois's house in order to keep an eye on all of these spies. Then he started patrolling the street, wearing glasses that contained a video camera or sometimes a GoPro attached to his person in some way, shape, or form. All of this to take his surveillance even further. Pretty soon, it wasn't just tourists, but Jerry's own neighbors. He first turned his sights to the next door neighbor, Warren Daniel. He pointed cameras at Daniel's house and started harassing him on the streets. And then, after an altercation where Hanau destroyed some plants, Warren filed a temporary restraining order, or a TRO, against his neighbor, Jerry Hanel. Jerry then turned his attention to another resident of Hibiscus Avenue, Rebecca Atkinson. He would constantly film her. He would come outside, yell at her, film her with his phone and his GoPros and all of that, and accuse her of being a KGB spy. Like, he would hide in the bushes, jump out at these people, and, uh, you know, accost them, and all of that. Rebecca also attempted to file a restraining order, but at first, she was unable to. Like, she was, of course, like, on public sidewalks and 
all of this. It's not illegal to film out in public. And she wasn't able to get it. They didn't kind of come to a gentleman's agreement where they would, they, they promised each other and they signed a piece of paper that was like, we won't do things. We'll basically leave each other alone. But, uh, Jerry didn't really adhere to that after signing it. In fact, it wouldn't be till she kind of joined forces with, uh, Warren Daniel that, like, he, like, he had, it was a temporary restraining order. So eventually, you know, stuff escalated and he was able to file another temporary restraining order. And this time, they, they, they joined forces. They got together and they filed together and they both got TROs against Hanel. By the time all this was over, I believe he had something like four TROs against him. I don't know if that was over the course of all of this or just at the end he had four of them that he had to abide by. Which he didn't really abide by, but he was also very good at like bending the rules to that and everything going on. Eventually, Jerry found something that, for a time, helped him to curb his paranoia. He got a dog, and he named the dog Butch. He spent every moment he could with Butch, and sometimes used the dog uh, to continue to harass Warren Daniel. Dog doesn't know what a restraining order is and isn't going to abide by it. See where I'm going? After some time, Lois returned home. Her mother had passed away. She came home to a group of mad neighbors and a very odd acting Jerry Hanel. Then came the tipping point. And I want to I want to pause right here real quick. The timeline at least for me is a bit hazy. Like I I thought all of this 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 kind of all ends early 2020. And I thought that all of this took took place in about six months to maybe a year but that first restraining order with the plants that got destroyed that happened in like 2014 so i i this went on for years apparently i have no idea how long lois was in san diego or if maybe she was only there for a year and then just everything with just kept going and going for years after but this was not like a summer or a six-month thing. It was apparently years of all of this. But back to the tipping point, which was the death of Butch the dog. Jerry went so far as to build a coffin and put it out in the front yard where it sat for four days so that everyone in the neighborhood could mourn Butch's passing. Lois only called to have the dog's body removed because it was starting to smell. It was the death of Butch combined with painkillers he was taking for recent shoulder surgery, as well as alcohol he was drinking pretty heavily by this point, that shredded whatever grip on reality Jerry had left. He became reclusive, spending most of his time in his basement room monitoring his cameras. He started to make drunken calls to 911, making bogus reports and claims. This eventually got him an obstruction of justice charge. Even with all this and pressures from the neighbors, they were even starting to file lawsuits against Lois. She uh, would not kick him out. In fact, she had more people move into her home. 
her friend Giselle King and her son needed a place to stay, stay sorry, for a few weeks, and she let them live upstairs with her. She really, by this point, only had one room to herself. You know, they had the upstairs, and Hanel had pretty much run of the basement by this point. But Lois did have a breaking point, and in late 2019, Jerry finally broke it. He was a huge smoker, and Lois never let him smoke, when she was around at least. One night, he just wouldn't quit. She'd ask him to put it out, he'd light up another one, put it out, just wouldn't stop, and he was drunk off his gourd probably. And because of this one night, Lois told him he had 30 days to leave. He uh, didn't leave. Instead, he barricaded himself into the basement, forcing Lois to crawl through a window to get down there. She then called an eviction lawyer and started the eviction process, and he soon had a court date to be evicted. This was Jerry's final breaking point. January 19th, 2020, Lois found the basement unblocked, and she went down, probably to do some laundry. And while downstairs, Lois was savagely attacked by Hanel. Lois's screams alerted Giselle King, who I think she tried to intervene, but couldn't, and then she ran outside and started dialing 911. When she was ambushed by Hanel and stabbed in the chest and the leg with, I believe, a rake. Fortunately, an army vet trained in first aid named Elkeen Freeman was walking by and was able to render aid. Uh, by this time, there were also several neighbors out trying to help. The police were called, and officers Tiffany Enriquez and Kali Kalama arrived on the scene. They went to the backyard to try and confront Hanel, but he was able to see their every move on his cameras and ambushed them as well, shooting them both with a shotgun. It's kind of unclear where the weapons came from. Uh, some sources will point to that he had them, he brought them from his time in the military. I read one article where Lois had some guns from her ex-husband or, uh, you know, maybe her, her husband passed away or something and they were in a lockbox somewhere, but somehow he got a hold of a shotgun at least. And, and he got them both. Soon, more police arrived. The two downed officers were rushed to the hospital where they would later succumb to their wounds. Now trapped, Hanel set Lois's house ablaze. It quickly caught fire, and the fire department could do little about it. It was still an active shooter situation, and now there were live rounds going off in the house because of the fire. The fire eventually spread to seven other houses and caused an evacuation before they were cleared to put out the blaze. And in the charred shell of Lois's home, police found the remains of both Lois Kane and Yaroslav Hanel. And that is the end of this tragic tale. Four people dead, including two police officers, 
one person wounded a Giselle Wood. She, you know, she would make a full recovery. And uh, just very, re very recent, too. I remember hearing about this and then going back later to research it more for the show. I didn't realize that it happened early 2020, you know, before the world ended. And that is it. Those are our main stories for tonight's episode. We are now going to take a little intermission, play some music. I am going to work very hard in the next coming weeks to get a couple of new tracks going. I just, it's been hectic and I haven't been able to really sit down and try to get something together, but, but I will get there. I know I've said that a lot, but I will, I promise I will get some new stuff out before the end of this season. But yeah, listen to some music. We're going to come back. Got a couple of stories from you guys to share, and then we'll wrap up uh, episode five of season number seven. And tonight on your Small Town Secrets, we have a couple stories from the old Reddit. 
This first one is from user Rainy Stranger, and this story is about a black mist. I wasn't more than seven or eight at the time, and I'm in my early 20s now. I remember this vividly. At the time, I had lived in a small town with uh, just my older sister and my mother. We each had our own rooms on the same floor. My sister's room was next door to mine, and my mother's was no more than 10 feet down the hall. I don't remember much of the day leading up to it, but it happened when I was asleep. I don't even know if sleep is the right word. At that moment in time, all I knew was darkness. Darkness like I have never known darkness before. Just black nothingness, as if a black mist had set over me and I lost all sense of time. It was hot and I could feel myself sweating, but I couldn't move and it was difficult to breathe, as if the mist that sat over me was heavy. I was just there in nothingness, terrified, but unable to speak or move or wake up. Suddenly the door burst open. It wasn't loud enough to wake my sister up, but I instantly sat up. The black mist disappeared as if sucked out of the room by something. Sweat was running down my face and my mother stood at the doorway and stared briefly at the room. She quickly scooped me up and brought me into her room for the rest of the night. Years later, when I was uh, late in my later teen years, she told me that that night she was dreaming when she heard someone tell her to wake up and check on me. And when she did, she said she felt the very negative energy leaving when she opened the door. We have talked about it a few times over the years, but I have never experienced anything like that again. I was just wondering if anyone else had any idea what it could be or if anyone has had a similar experience. I know this could be sleep paralysis, but due to the fact that my mom had her dream and felt the negative energy, I am thinking it's more than that. For a while, I thought it was a curse. And I don't know if the, the mom's dream necessarily negates that it was sleep paralysis or maybe some sort of like shadow person type of encounter, but not a shadow person, like a shadow mist, if you will. But it, it does follow that line. Maybe, you know, we don't know what does this. I'm inclined to think that it's all kind of psychically linked and we're all just kind of fueling it with our thoughts. So if that's the case, that may have also triggered your mother to dream, to wake up and check on you because of said a shadow mist, if you will. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I guess that's my two cents on it. Uh, but I love that story. That is, you don't get a lot of black mist stories. That is a great one. Thank you, Rainy Stranger. And the second one is from Anisplier, I think. I may be saying it wrong, and if it is, I apologize. Uh, when me and my mom first moved into our present home about seven years ago, we did a lot of cleaning and basically redid the whole kitchen. So we got rid of almost everything in that kitchen, including cabinets, the stove, the kitchen sink, all of that. And so we got new cabinets and a new sink. And so we were pretty sure that everything was cleaned out during that time before we went to go buy new kitchen appliances. 
about a week after redoing our kitchen, we opened the cabinet door and we found this super old prescription bottle. You know, the ones that you get from the doctor with the orange bottle and the white cap. And the prescription date was the year 1974, which is the year that my mom was born. So this is weird to me and it still haunts me to this day. I've always wanted to keep it, but my mom said she got a weird dark vibe from it and uh, she just threw it away. Other weird things have gone in my gone on in my house, but not too weird that I don't think it would be paranormal. I don't know. Any thoughts? And uh, I do have thoughts. I think this is an apportation of said medicine bottle. Uh, somewhere, someone lost a medicine bottle, and for some reason it appeared in your apartment. And I, I, I'm wondering, I, I think it would be interesting to know, like, did you guys ever find anything else in the apartment that never quite fit? And I love a good story about a porch, which is what I think this is. And I have my own a porch story now to think about it. I'm not sure if I ever uh, did this, told anyone about this on the show or not. If I did, I'm going to do it again. Uh, new listeners and all of that. I'm a huge nerd. I used to collect Transformers, especially back when they started getting popular again, when the movie started coming out and like Armada, the new cartoon, was about ready to come out and all of that. And as a kid, I never had any of the combiners. You know, the ones where you get like five or six and they form a bigger robot. I always had pieces. I had the arm of this guy and the leg of that guy, but I never had like a full one. But I was able, when I was an adult, <laughs> to purchase a full set have them all together. So here I am. I, it was just a repaint of an old Generation 1 set. It wasn't anything new. They just took like an old one and redid it. But all of them were there. And for the first time in my life, I had all five of them. And I could make the big one. And I'm upstairs. I'm in my room. At this time, for whatever reason, I didn't really have like a comforter or anything. I just had like this big, huge sleeping bag that I just unzipped and, you know, it would cover the whole thing because it was, like, bigger than the bed itself, so I never had to worry about, like, my feet sticking out or anything like that. But it was this kind of, you know, polyester, very slick, maybe not, not quite nylon, but kind of in the middle of polyester and nylon. So it was very slippery. It was very slick. And I remember it was draped. Half of it was going, it was on the bed, and half of it was going down from the bed. And I'm taking these toys out of the box and two of them slide down the uh, the sleeping bag. I hadn't even taken those weird rubber band things off yet. Slide down and they, they didn't fall, didn't bounce, they didn't go anywhere. I watched them slide down to the floor. I should have just been able to get up, bend over, pick them up and be good. And they were gone could not find them. Now, this sleeping bag had a couple of holes in it, and I remember searching it, like, very thoroughly, thinking maybe they, like, slipped inside one of the holes, and they were in with, like, the, you know, the the bedding, the baffle, whatever, inside of it. No, never found them. To this day, have never been found. That room has been cleaned, I don't know how many times it has been painted, you know, people have lived in it, people have not lived in it. 
those Transformers, those toys have never turned up. So I told you all of this to tell you this. Uh, and supplier, let me know if any Transformers ever pop up in your apartment because they might be mine. So I have lost something. You seem to have gained something. I think it would be really interesting to know if anything else weird has ever popped up into that in that apartment. But I love Aport stories. I'm fascinated by them because I have my own Aport story. And I saw this and I was like, we've got to get this one on the show. So thank you both and Supplier and Rennie Stranger for letting me share your stories on this episode of Small Town Secrets. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And if you have a small town secret to share, there are many ways to get it on the show. The best way is to go to stscast.com, scroll down to the bottom of the main page. There's an email form. You can fill it out and send me your news article or story about uh, your Bigfoot encounter or your UFO sighting, your ghost story, your true crime thing, whatever it is. And while you're at stscast.com, check everything else out. Uh, there will be show notes for every episode, sources, images, Right now, I have to update it. I'm having an issue with Squarespace. I'm trying to upload images, and every time I do, it just sits and spins. So once I get that figured out, I'll have the page completely updated. But also on there are, like I said, links to every episode for the most part, uh, ways to support the show. The Patreon link is there. The merch store is there. PayPal donation, all of that. Uh, if you would like to support the show financially, check all that out. You can also engage with me on social media. I am most active on Twitter, at STScast on Twitter. You can find on Facebook at STScast.fb and Instagram at STScast.gram. And if you would like, please leave a rating and review on your podcatcher, your podcast app, whatever you want to call it, of choice. Especially if it's iTunes, that's the one that really gives the show a big bump. But anyone that you listen to, will be great and really helps the show out. And like I say, every episode, uh, tell a friend. Get one friend to listen to the show. If everyone does that, the audience automatically doubles. And there we go. That is it. I apologize if there were weird noises tonight. There is a fly in the office. I can't get it out. So I'm sure he's flown or buzzed across the mic a couple of times. You might hear him. And also, I think... I'm wearing a very noisy shirt, but I'll remember all that for the next episode, which will be out in a couple of weeks. 
unless you have Patreon, then we're going to talk about another bad neighbor story. Not sure which one yet. I have two or three in mind. I know I've been very indecisive lately, but there'll be another one of these coming on the Backroads episode next week. You can check that out and join the Patreon if you would like to get more stories like this. That would be great. So there we go. That is it. Another episode in the bag. I am out. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. Until next time, remember that every town has a secret. What is yours?